you don't realize um how weird you sound when you can't hear yourself yeah, yeah. and it, 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 yeah. It, it's so much harder to get the voices because the, these headphones that i've got on um if anybody wants to know what they are they are linked on our website this is going in the show uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are um, they're tracking headphones. They're used in a lot of studios to give to a band, so that as they're playing, uh, they can hear stuff back, but the microphone won't pick it up. Mm. Which means that I can't hear myself. If somebody comes into the room and starts talking at me, I can't hear it at all. <laughs> which is can be confusing on many different occasions, um, <laughs> and it's very very strange when you first put them on because you're so used to hearing the reflections of your voice back. And I've got on this microphone, I've got a little headphone jack that I could plug these into and I could hear myself. But because of the nature of what we're doing, I need to run the sound through my sound card where I can't hear myself. Yeah. So it's it's a very um, sometimes awkward but, uh, but necessary thing. Well, although I tell you now, since I've got this microphone and I've been able to hear the feedback, like the live feedback from my voice, yeah, it's made me a better voice actress because I can I can get my like all my voice, yes, like all the different voices I do. Now I get to say when this, people say to you, "What do you do?" I can go, "I do voices." Um, this, this is why, if you watch behind the scenes footage of disney recording voiceovers for things you'll often see the actors with one of the cans off their ear like mm. like that and that's because they can then hear their voice back and they can also hear the mix that's in the in the thing that's yeah that's the professional way of doing it <laughs> it's about really expensive stuff that doesn't quite work and then bodge it somehow yeah, I mean, I, I like I love this microphone because it just it does exactly what I need it to do. I love the fact that I get the feedback. I just I love it. I love it so much because um, it works for everything as far as I'm concerned. I, I have threatened that when we get some money of some description, I'm going to get Tash one of these microphones, which actually is, is every bit as good as the the yeti and and then some um so i think you'll you'll like it but uh, i still like this one better but but yes the, the audio edit will like the other one better <laughs> but considering how much this cost I'm, i don't yeah actually yes for the, for the price for the price it was very good um, um, it's it's not an expensive microphone yet. It's about for me it was. Um, well, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, in terms of in terms of microphones, it's under a hundred quid. Yeah, uh, or I just over if you get the get it from certain places. But yeah, I got um, it on a deal, so it was just under a hundred. Yeah, yeah. But that's still a lot of money at the moment, and it's it's that I can't justify sure, not using sure. the thing I spent at nearly a hundred quid. I on. think that the difference is that that you you know you talk about comparative costs so if i'm talking about microphone cost i tend to think about it in terms of the cost of other microphones that you might get or the cost of everything else that's on the market and so some of these mics are like three or four thousand pound so you know there's a there's a lot of money that you could spend on, on this the 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 sort of the the standard it's not really a standard but the, the kind of the gold standard for microphones that people use for podcasts is the shore sm7b and in order to get a shore sm7b the microphone itself costs 400 quid and then you need an audio interface which is at least 100 quid 
and then you'll need another thing uh, that will will sit in between the microphone and the audio interface and boost the volume because the volume on those mics are really really quiet, and that's another like hundred quid. So you you know six hundred quid before you even get to record. So, like so what earlier, we're talking more about more expensive shit that you then have to do bodges with. Yeah, in order exactly. To make them work. Exactly. Yes. Why? <laughs> but yet that I is do these things because it's it's used in studios across the world, and so people go, "Well, that's the gold gold standard." Having said that, this one, which cost about two hundred quid, is every bit as good for what we need. And then by the time you then spend the extra money, you've got this sort of law of diminishing returns with what you're actually mm. getting. Isn't that much more than what you're getting here? Um, whereas the mic that you've got. It's very situational because it's a it's a condenser mic. Mm. So there are some places you could put that mic up and it would be useless because there is yeah. there's too much reflection and too many other things. Not quite so with this one, which is a dynamic. So I've got a fan on at the moment and hopefully you won't be able to hear that. Mm. Um, so that, that's I've just benefit. turned my desk one off. Normally you can't hear it. Normally it's in the background going all the time, but I've just <laughs> turned it off because yeah. I, I can hear it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what I actually need, what I really need in order to be able to sit here is a better chair because this is killing me. This one, I, I've been thinking a similar thing myself, actually, because I spend a lot of time in this chair and it does hurt my back. Mm. Um, and, and it's because you're sitting in the same position all the time, uh, or sitting, even if you're ty sitting typing, you're still sitting in the same position all the time. So, um, or you're sitting in an odd position that isn't quite right for you. That's the other thing. Anything other than sitting cross-legged on a chair like this, or with my legs straight out, yeah. is, an, is the wrong position for me. Yeah. But yeah. because this is such a... I need to be able to change from having my legs like that to, to being cross-legged. Yes. To be comfortable and it not hurt. So you, I need a, weird... you need a fairly wide seat. Then, or just frog to... leg it, as I call, because that's another one where, because what what cross legs and frog legs do is they push my hips into my the hip joints. Right. Whereas sitting down with my legs down, the hip joints separate out. and I, they pop out. Yeah. Um, and sitting like this because I'm kind of with my legs up because I can't get the seat the right height. <laughs> um, I'm lucky with this one because I do sit cross legged a lot. And I'm lucky with this one that it's wide enough because I'm not the thinnest of people in the world. Uh, I'm wide enough that I can sit cross-legged on it mm. in relative comfort. Um, but the, well, the this is wide; it's just not long. Yeah, it, I need yeah, that front yeah. length enough to be able to be able to just fidget around in my chair a little bit more. You because you can get some now. You can get some now that have, have got. Um, uh, things that come out like recliner chairs, but they're not recliner chairs. I've got that, but it's it doesn't shit. work. Oh, okay. It's, it, it's really right. shit because it's got nothing in between the way you. It's not long enough for your feet, so your, my feet hang off the edge, which hurt sure. my ankles. Sure. There's no support on the knees, so my knees kind of buckle. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. These are the joys of having a condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, with everything that hyperextends and dislocates constantly, and it's really annoying. <laughs> Um, so the sitting like this, I've got a cushion under my knees to support my knees. Yeah. I've got it underneath my ankles and my feet to support my feet. I have to have my feet up to keep my hips in. I have to lean back and I've got a special memory foam thing on my back to stop my spine from popping out. Mm -hmm. um, I've had to put special things on my um, rests to stop my elbows from going and so I can lean because I have to have 
arms i have to be able to lean on both sides otherwise i slump down yeah, and it, it yeah. causes problems oh the joys of having a body that's a dick i mean <laughs> i literally i i go into doctors now and i say they say what's your diagnosis i say my body is a dickitis and they're like oh don't say that what is your diagnosis i say ellis Danlos syndrome they went oh so your body is a dickitis then like, yeah I um, um, I have to have a particular, well, I have to have the seat that will take my weight, mm. and that that is difficult to find. What I would love is a seat that actually, I because I've got arms on this, I'd mm. love to be able to move them so I don't always have arms on that because sometimes these are just at the wrong height to type with. Yeah, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons why I've got the tendonitis problem. Oh, I've got this. Yeah. I've got my keyboard on a little, you can't see it if you're listening, but I've got a little lap tray that I got from Ikea and a keyboard that I hook over the back and I can then put it in. It's an ergonomic keyboard, so I can have it in whatever position I put it on my lap and then type like that. So it's a lot easier for me, but I'd like to be able to move the arms in and out like that so that I can get them, I can properly put it yeah in the right in the right position in the right position yeah. but yeah what well, i want is a secret labs chair that's what i want and if secret <laughs> Lab wants to send me one for free that would be amazing if you're watching um what we're talking about though in general is the sort of customer experience isn't it because mm. we are the customers of these things and we've bought them and we quite we either like them or, or hate them or whatever um or have bodged together something that works um and what we wanted to talk about today in the podcast was a very similar sort of thing um, where uh, we're talking about uh, writers and their audiences. Yes. Uh, so we'll, we'll play in the titles and we'll see you after that. Welcome to Murdering a Podcast, two writers' journey to produce a narrative murder mystery. So, have you seen Sandman yet at all? Oh, fuck yes, I have. I watched it all at the weekend in one day. No, two days. <laughs> of course I have. The reason I, that I the... thought about this came from talking with somebody about Sandman. That's that's why. Um, oh, I what... love it. Yeah, go on. No, go on. Cause... It's just, it's, I got a gush about it. I, it's, ah, I've never read it. I love Neil Gaiman anyway. Mm. Um, but I've never read The Sandman. Um and I've been waiting for the whole series to come out and, you know, I finished all the other things that I've been watching. And on Saturday, I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm watching it. And I'm just going to blast through the whole lot in two days. And I did. And oh, my God, is it good. Like, I was like, I grippest, grippest <laughs> by it. Um, it's, it's a bit epic, isn't it? Oh, yes. Epic isn't even the right word. It's better than epic. It's, like, it's huge. It's this massive, massive universe oh. that kind of plays around with some some ideas. There's bits that have been changed between the comic and the, the series. But mm. for the most part, you can see why they've been changed, because it makes it more televisual or because it gives you uh, a look into something that was happening in the comic whilst in the comics you were reading about something else um, and i mean it's it's very much like with with hitchhikers because every version of the hitchhikers um sort of story is is different so the film the tv series the the, the radio play and the books all have slight differences in them and that's yeah. what makes me want to read all all of them because i love 
<laughs> like I go, oh, well, I've listened to the I've listened to the audiobook. Now I want to listen to the radio play because that's got a different story to it. Now I want to see the TV show because that's got a slight difference. And then, but it's all respectful of the of the original work, and it's all respectful of the original thing. And I love it when they do it right, when well, they th- make the changes and they do it right. I think Douglas it- Adams uh, changed things because he'd have got bored otherwise. Yeah, because he was always always somebody who was you know he he never really finished anything. It was just mm. this was where where it is Did right now, ADHD and I have to hand it in. Time? I don't know, actually. I have no idea. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the reason that Stanman brought this up, so I'm I'm gonna uh, uh, a it's sort of a paid for Discord server uh, where uh, it, we where lots of people who want to write comedy are talking about writing comedy, um, mm. and. Uh, the, we, we were talking about Sandman and about some of the changes that have been made, and, and um, I mentioned audiences, and that because there's been a, there's been little pockets of con- controversy over Sandman, not a lot actually, uh, but little bits of it. The biggest yeah, one, casting one. Well, no, actually, the interestingly, the biggest amazing. one being about death, mm. who is. And there's a there is a good reason behind it because you've got forty years of death being an, an iconic character that people have had tattooed on their bodies, and mm. that's what they wanted to see on screen. And they did colorblind casting for it, and they've got and and I think that the person they've chosen for death is fantastic and oh, she's uh, works really well. However, I can understand I could watch her all day. <laughs> that if, if you bought if the character that you bought into was the death in the comic that's really disappointing because you want to see what's in the comic translated on screen yeah but then and they the, also nobody complained about what's his name with the ruby who went and killed everybody in the restaurant so and he massively was changed in terms of the way he was pre- presented and scripted um and not a peep out of that it's only he wasn't massively <laughs> changed but t- interestingly there's been a lot less um, about the switch between John and Joanna Constantine because mm. there's, the reason behind the, that switch isn't anything to do with colorblind casting. That was because Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers always sort of seems to sabotage its own work. Warner Brothers said, you can't use John Constantine. We're using him in this and we're using him in that. So they had to do something different. And so they used Joanna Constantine, which is another character in the books, and they brought her up to date. And again, Jenna Coleman, I thought, was absolutely fantastic in the uh, I mean, in she's the amazing anyway. Um, but I, I think because they've, because they've given an, a, a, a different sort of excuse for it, uh, that people are going, okay, I can see why that would have happened. Because the, the series wouldn't have happened without, without that change. That's the difference. But this is a thing. I mean, I don't think it matters in these these characters. Um, well, you well know, I, it doesn't if you if you're because they're completely if you're completely new to it, it won't throw you off at all. And you, what you'll see is as close to what you get in the comic books as you can get. I would think. But then again, I don't. I don't think it it really matters whether you whether you've seen it or not, or whether you read it or not. You know, because what matters is the portrayal of the character in terms of the actor in my head and it, it's you know if but but the, sure but then for a lot of people what and it matters was nice is, to see is death as a woman because in scotland you know scottish mythology is is death is female death has always been female in the in the comics 
Mm, okay. It's the race change that was different. Yeah. See, again. But, it, but again, but it wouldn't matter to you at all because you've not got that history. To anyone, but you've not got that history with the thing. It, it would be. It, it's. I can't really explain it other than to say it was like taking an icon and then changing it to a point where it's not as recognisable as the icon. I don't. I don't think it really matters because again, you know, Constantine, John Constantine. It's. It's an. He is. It's an iconic image, and they've done a gender swap. Um, well, that was my point. Actually, they haven't done a gender swap. They've done a character swap. So essentially, they've swapped. They've changed characters in order to change gender because you can't call a woman. No, no, no. They didn't. They didn't do it in order to change gender. They did it because they couldn't. No, get I know the right they didn't do it in order to change gender. But by changing characters, they also changed gender. No, Joanna Constantine's always been a woman. <laughs> She's yes, in the I comics. Know. Doesn't matter. That's not what what you were saying all about I, changing it from John all Constantine I'm saying to is that, Constantine. John Constantine is still an icon. It yeah. doesn't matter what colour someone's fucking skin is. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. If you change somebody from a white actor to a black actor, so fucking what? If it ruins your ideal of that 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 character, so what? It it doesn't matter. She because as long as they're a good actor and as long as they are good at what they do it, it, it really shouldn't matter i don't think it's got anything to do I, with the character I, to be I, honest i would agree with you that it shouldn't but there are many people to whom it does because mm. again what they want to see on screen is as close a representation to what they have in the comics as as possible then why wasn't it a problem that what's his name was ginger because he wasn't Again, that that character he was supposed well, to be mummified. I, mean, I haven't seen the comics, by the way. So <laughs> no, I know. Lu I'm, Lucian, I'm going off what I've seen. You know the character of, of Lucian. In the comics, that was an old white dwarfish sort of man. Hmm. Nobody's worried about that character change because nobody's really worried about that character. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's all to do with race. And it's got fuck all to do with the character. Because this happens every single time. But then you would you would think that people would have a problem with Lucian as well, but they don't. They only get well. They get, which one's Lucian? Because I can't. Uh, Lucian is de uh, the librarian. I want okay. to say Death's Helper. She's had, and again, gender swap, race swap. But that role has been massively in increased in the in the the series to really good effect as well. Because I think she's a great character, but. I've seen complaints about all of the characters of colour in that film going on. Have you? Because I, yeah, I haven't all at of all. Them. I've seen complaints like, about the death, swaps but the not the swaps. others. And I'm like, this is why I'm kind of going. No, this, this, it's not about the character. It's about the colour. And it, this is, this is, this is an excuse to say, oh well, I don't want a black person playing it. That, that's the way it looks because it's that I've seen lots of little. Because I first saw it about Rose. Hello, Mrs. Hello. Cat's just come in and is loving my microphone now. Hello, babe. Yes. Hello. <laughs> um, you want to sit there, do you? Okay. Well, let's move everything out of the way. Come on. Come on. Don't. No. No. It's been set up. Come on. This is this is the cat. The destruction of floof. Mwah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I see. I started off when I I, I read the outrage of death and 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 Rose. 
the the vortex. <laughs> I've got cat hair all over my face now. So um, I, I, I've not I followed this apart from um, the the kind of the aftermath of the series being released because I don't think there's much point in in looking at stuff before a series yeah. is released anyway. Nobody knows about it, uh, but I haven't seen people saying that about Rose or Lucian or um, Joanna. I have seen people talking about death. And yeah. they're not it, because it's not the sort of the crowd that you would think would have a problem with it. That's why I'm uh, I'm yeah, mentioning yeah. it. You know, uh, it's not the everyone's going to hate this because that character is now black. It's the the certain people who I've seen who I would trust their opinion on with something like Sandman because of their history with it. Are, are going? I really wanted that character to be this because that's what they've had in their head for 40 years. And it's mm. such a big character. I mean, d death as an icon has, has, has cropped up in so many different places. It's the center of some tons and tons and tons of artwork now. It's, it's people have built their art careers off drawing death, you know. Um, I think that's what it's because it, it, as, a, as a particular character and a particular archetype, it broke the zeitgeist in a way that, that other characters haven't. We see it all the time, though. We see it all the time in writing when they use gender-blind or colour-blind casting and they go, you know what, we're going to give people, you know, the best actor the chance. Um, I think they chose right for death. I think she's an amazing actress and I think she did incredible. I think she's great. Awesome. She is really, really great. And and I, yeah. I can't, I, honestly, I can't fault the series, but, but for a few things that I, I would... Uh, I would say I well, look, they, they will be some changes because it's television, it's a different medium um, yeah. and I know that there are some rights issues with various different characters so you have to change the various different characters but for that I I don't think there's a, a, a I, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it and I'm sure there will be more of it because it was Oh, they're, they're setting up for a second season they've already have uh, well, um, this is only, season, yeah. this is like the first volume of Sandman and there's there's 12 volumes i think so potentially that many series of the of, of the of the show it's it's been popular so let's hope it i mean netflix are pretty good with that Beep. um i'm beeping my cat's stuff. Ne netflix <laughs> have had a, a bit of a, a problem over the last two years i think with a lot of the original properties that they've released not doing very well on the platform but this one just seems to have knocked it out of the park Oh well, it's that's because it's amazing. I, I haven't I I genuinely yeah. haven't seen anybody say it's terrible. Yeah, which is I mean, which is really odd for for something like this. I I mean, obviously, as as somebody who is LGBTQ, it was nice again. Neil Gaiman's pretty good at the representation on that mm -hmm. one. Always good. And at actually, one of the things that um, Sandman did in the uh, in the eighties and nineties, I think it was released. Um, was have that level of representation anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, it spoke to a sort of counterculture audience of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and because of that, it, it, already, it already was in there. It already was, it already worked really well. Actually, that was one of the standout things, I think. Again, as a, as a reader of the, the comic, as a mm. lover of the comic for, God, I basically grew up with it. Um, uh, the uh, Gwendolyn Christie's death as Lucifer, I should say, mm. was just brilliant, perfect casting, I think, because that's what 
oh. Lucifer looks like in the comics. It's, she's mm. just great at it. And apparently she is incredibly, um, an incredibly big fan of, of the thing in, in the first place. And you can kind of tell, I think, when an actor really knows that stuff well enough, you can kind of tell when it, it, it sort of shines through. I, uh, I, I, I absolutely love the series like i said i'm not i've never been a big fan of actual comic books i tend mm. to prefer them when they're when they're when they're films or whatever but not comics what are you doing wiggly cat okay taking my i have no left hand now she's on it no are you going <laughs> are you going you're gonna put your bum in my face thank you right ah oh, covered in fluff now i need to brush them again today um yeah i mean Neil Gaiman's an incredible writer. He's always been good on the representation for LGBTQ. And mm, the way mm. he does it, and I think we've talked about this before, the way he does it is so good. He doesn't make a big issue out of it. They no. just exist in the world, which is exactly what the LGBTQ it's, it's community kind of what, wants. Yeah, it's just, it's, we just want to exist in the world of, of, of fiction as we do in the world of reality yeah. in the same way yeah. and just exist rather mm. than be constantly questioned because and 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 it was one of the things it was nice to not see for once is people then questioning that representation because normally the moment you put an lgbtq character in something it's mm. did they do it to be politically correct no <laughs> no they didn't i think they there is a i think there is a problem with certain things being you know as much as the, there is a massive problem with there being no representation. I think there's a problem with that representation being fetishized as well. And yeah. it's where you draw the line between, uh, you know, having having a, an LGBTQ plus character in there um, and then having it be, you know, the sole reason why you created something, mm. um, which uh, I, I can't remember what it, what it was. There was a film recently that um, Mark Kermode had, had, had done a, um, a, a thing on it. And, and and again, I don't think this was an LGBT representation thing, but it was a thing. It was a, we've got this person in there and so therefore this is the movie. And he was saying, but that's not good enough on its own. You need to have a good story behind it. You need to have a good, everything else needs to be good around it. You, you can't just get away with saying, but this character's gay, so therefore we we must be seen. You know, mm. it, you need to have everything else that backs that up to make it a good film. Mm. Um, oh, I would agree. Because um, that, that's the thing that's that's with a lot. Of, there's another one that I recently saw, actually, mm -hmm. called Day Shift. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, my I, God, is it I good? I like that. It's great. Fun. I loved it. And it was, <laughs> again, it was what was nice to see. And we're just talking about representation here was normally what i see is when i see um a film centered around uh black leading characters mm -hmm. is terrible scripts low budget films and i'm like no they just no well that, that often, community deserves better they <laughs> often have uh, you know a lot of the the um films with majority black casts tend to be comedies because they tend to be uh, vehicles for the comedian and that doesn't yeah. necessarily make a good film. I mean, Adam Sandler's exactly, been a yeah. been a, in movies for years. I don't think he's made a good film since Punch Drunk Love. No, I, I don't like him. Um, but honestly, fucking... honestly, watch Punch Drunk Love, and you will go. Why hasn't he been better in everything else that you've seen? 
because <laughs> that is a really good film, and yet uh, uh, he can't I, he can't write it himself. I don't think it's, uh... this is. I mean, but this is the, I mean, Day Shift was an incredibly good script. You had ridiculously good characters in it. And Wonderful just such dynamics. a fun Beautiful action movie throat. as well. It was, yeah, it was. I was howling yeah. with laughter through most of it. And again, the way they wrote it. And I, at the end, I was like, it, you know, and I, 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 I now want to watch it again because it was. I, I don't. You know, I'm quite fussy with vampire movies because they're so often done badly, <laughs> but this was yes. so good. And it was nice to see that representation done well. Again, mm. it wasn't a big deal. It was just, yes, black people exist and they're not gangsters. You know, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. more, more to real life than actually, again, because there's had a lot a, of white representation. It had a really gangsters. interesting world that it built up as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it, it did everything right for for yeah. a kind of an, an action movie but interestingly prey seems to have done that same thing as well yeah i haven't seen that i've yet. been worrying about prey for ages because there was a fan film that was basically native american um first people we should say face uh, uh, faces face, face a predator and Everything that I'd seen from it coming up to the the release seemed to be very reductive of that, even though that was like a short fan film and this was a massive budget production. But mm. actually seeing it, other than a few bits of dodgy CGI with a bear, it was really good fun. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you, I think you'll like it because again, you know, fun action film. I mean, one, but this is the thing. I mean, a lot of, a lot, you know, again, um, women, uh, minority communities, and, you know, so like uh, people of color, LGBTQ, don't necessarily always get the approach. And, and neurodiverse people or disabled people don't get the representation they absolutely deserve and they don't get the scripts that they deserve often. No, I, really you're right. You're, you're completely right. It makes me really right. angry because, you know, um, again, uh, let's take Black Widow. I've been looking forward to that film for so long because I absolutely <laughs> love Black Widow. She is, mm. she's got my name, you know. The character is called <laughs> Natasha, and like oh, I love Scarlett Johansson. I love the fucking, I love her character, and the, it had such potential to be so good. And it was kind of, there were some really good bits in it, but it just kind of failed. As a as a an action movie with a, a centered female sort of heroine and a centered female cast, and it really and, let and down. And that's really di disappointing because yeah. you, it's like Charlie's Angels as, as a film, it's shit. Mm. The the recent one, not the previous ones, the ones yeah, with yeah, the, um uh, with uh, uh, oh who what's to name? Why am I so bad with names? Um, she's actress. never been kissed. Uh, 
these are not films that I watched. And if it e. isn't she was the little girl in E.T. <laughs> and then grew up and was a massive oh, Hollywood Barrymore. star. Drew Barrymore, yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, that was, I loved that film. Those two I thought were great. And they had that whole kind of, we're doing a, a, a remake of a 70s show and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek and, you yeah, know, that was, was that was brilliant. The right new one <laughs> just didn't work. And there's probably a myriad reasons why it, why it didn't work, but it just kind of felt flat and again it's disappointing because you want these things i mean i like charlie's angels when i was a kid i used to watch the reruns of it so you want those things to do really well and mm. when they don't it's kind of you gotta get uh, you missed a trick and yeah well this is one of the things that I, I was saying if a if a series doesn't do well if a franchise doesn't do well that's it for at least 10 years because no exec mm. will touch it going yeah but the last time we put this on look at firefly you know, Firefly has such a big audience. The film did relatively well. If that was a normal film from a normal TV show, they would have been going, this is amazing, we must do another one. But because it was Firefly, it just, they, they kind of ignored it. And that was it. It didn't get a sequel. But the, the, even with that, even with that, the execs have got in their head, but the original didn't do very well, so we're not going to re, re, redo it. And yet there's a lot of love for that. So talking, Sorry, just talking about Serenity, the film, it's got one of the best fight scenes in it that I have ever seen <laughs> with River Tam at the end fighting all the Reavers. And um, there's a, a YouTube channel that I watch called Cinema Therapy. It is it is a very underrated YouTube channel. It is incredibly good. And what they do is they go through movies and they analyze the, the relationships with them. So they've got an actual therapist and mm. a filmmaker and they often bring in guests. And this was one of them. And they, they looked at the, the, the fight scene. And one of the things that I didn't realize is that the lady who plays um, River is actually a ballet dancer, a trained ballet dancer. So they used yeah, a lot Clive. of... Yeah. yeah, they they choreographed it like a ballet routine with sharp shit and it was and blood. And it was one of the most um, impressive. It wasn't the normal sort of multiple people against one where you have one person attack it at a time, which really frustrates me because that's not how it happens. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yet with this, they that, had them all attack it. And she was just like, all right. And it was like, Wah! and it was like, Ooh! it was a really, really good fight scene. Speaking of, I thought the fight scenes in night shift were really good as well. As day shift, sorry, were really good as well. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I was wasn't probably... expecting that going into the no, film. I, I was wasn't. expecting it to be, yeah, but they've all got guns. And so the vampires run at them yeah. and they've got guns, but it wasn't anything like that at all it's great it was so good right because yeah. i went in this is i love it when this happens when you go like shira was the same the netflix shira i can't go mm -hmm. on about it enough you i went into it and i i went you know what it's a vampire movie i haven't got anything to watch i'll put it on it's probably not going to be amazing but but it I'll gives you something to watch yeah because yeah, most vampire films that i see are poo right of late and I, honestly, I Netflix, on, and over within, the last couple of releases, oh, Netflix have kind of been pulling it back uh, oh. a lot. The Sandman was brilliant. Lock and Keys had it. It might be its final se season, 
because mm, I haven't seen things, the second season. I'm waiting things for all seem to, to get wrapped up quite well by the end of the season. So, mm. but I I've really loved that show. I thought it was was brilliant. Um, I've got to sit and watch it all from the beginning so that yeah. I can remember where it was. Yeah. But, um, and I, they've got they've I, had some great documentaries and things on recently as well, and it looks like there's some interesting stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. They've so. they've proper pulled a lot of things out of the bag, haven't they? Yeah, quite, they really I'm have. Pleased, they really have. Yeah, pleased with them. But yeah, with both of these films, like with with Shira and with with Day Shift, it was the same thing. Oh well, it, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be amazing, but I'll watch it. And I put it on um, both both of them. With Shira, I was hooked within the first episode. With day shift i was hooked within a few minutes i mean i was just like oh this is actually really good and then when that first fight scene kicked off i was like oh my god this is amazing the fight and... scene with the old woman and oh it, it, yeah brilliant because it sh- it does something really clever in terms of the script it yeah. shows you what he does it puts it in the context of how he's doing it and it sets up the main uh, plot as well, yeah, all in one three-minute. Let's have a fight scene. Brilliant yeah, idea. Really good it idea. Is, this is what we mean by it, it was, inc- you know, when we say it, it was incredibly well written. Mm. It was a, an in- not just an incredibly well written script, but an incredibly stru- well structured story. You had character growth with all of the characters across the board. Um, Even Snoop Dogg, who was a, a, a oh, a he part. was brilliant. He was great. He was fantastic. <laughs> I loved Snoop Dogg in it. Yeah. Um, and because Snoop, you know when Snoop Dogg walks in into a film, you know he's a bit. There's certain certain actors though, when they walk into a film, you go, "Oh shit, everyone's in trouble now." Like, yeah, because yeah. Snoop Dogg always plays the biggest badass, the best cat, you know, and, the, the and most with him as, cool as well character. because he he's did awesome. some. He's done some dodgy stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, that it's it's either going to be if if a film's got him in it, it's either going to be a really really good film or an absolutely terrible film as well. Yeah. So you 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 know you you're, you're taking your life in your hands when you choose a, a film. That he's but I've got to respect at people who go into act who because it's clear that he he acts because he enjoys it and he doesn't do the scripts because he needs the money he does it because it looks like fun and there's act there's a lot of actors that do that and i love it when they do that because they're doing it for the passion not necessarily for the fame he's already got his own sort of career and his 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 fortune so he does it for fun um but oh my god his character it was perfectly written for him he was just he walked when he comes in in that one if you haven't seen it right Pause, watch it, come back, because I'm about to ruin it for you, right? Spoiler is, alert, everybody. Spoiler alert. There is a scene in the mall where he walks in and, and he just he crashes into it and he gets out of the car and you just go, oh, they're in shit now, bitch. And, like, everybody dies. And he just stood there and he's like, right, let's get this shit sorted then. <laughs> love that man. and then what happens right at the end with him and you, you think he's dead and then he just comes out and lights a fag and he's like yeah all right and then just carries on you're just like that is the best it's it's not he's in like three scenes but it, it's for me his character is even though he's only in three scenes it's such a well-written character that that's the one that i remember that's the character i remember mm. and i love the relationship between the two lead characters with the vampire hunter and the admin guy he, He's, was so I, he good. is just I, I can't remember what his name is but he is really really good and it's uh, it's an incredible comic relief part and of course you've got jamie fox in there who isn't you know is is he's not new to com- comedic roles and because of that 
he does the straight man bit incredibly mm. well um and it just it works really well um i did just look it up the film i was talking about that mark Kermode reviewed was uh thor love and thunder i haven't seen that yet no i haven't either actually but what he'd said about it was uh yes you've got the marvel super here is in and, and I forgive me if I get this quote wrong. I haven't seen it since since uh, for about a month <laughs> because that's when the review came out. So yes, you've got the that done. Yes, you've got you know Tessa Thompson in it, and you've got these uh, uh, um, uh, the woman who played Princess <laughs> Amadala. You see, my brain is no, I'm useless with names. Absolutely useless. Um, uh, Jane Foster. Uh, Anyway, yeah, you've got her as Thor as well, so you've got that representation in it, but it's not enough. It's too thin for the for the actual whole thing to hold together, you know. Yeah, I, um, I want to see it because I want to see. I mean, I'll see it as soon as it's out on. I love Disney, anything but... sort of superhero related films. I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing She Hulk. Oh, I know. I don't um, get to see it until October because I'm not going to resub to to Disney until October because that's when it finishes. I'll, I will want to watch it in all in one go. But I am a massive, massive fan of a guy called David E. Kelly. Now yeah. he's the guy who wrote Ali McBeal and Boston Legal and The Practice, and you know he's got this string of of, of uh, lawyery TV that he's done, um, and this looks kind of in the same mold and if it is and it's got that humor to it as well it's mm. right in my wheelhouse so well, i'm got... really looking forward to seeing it but i'm gonna i'm not gonna be able to see it till it, it's it's finished unfortunately they've got hulk and she hot and the clips i've seen were hilarious. yeah the clips the clips look good so yeah mm. and i i I'm... get uh, you know earlier people were saying not sure about this it looks a bit uncanny valley and i think that's that's true but i mm. think you might be able to get over that if the, the contents the materials there and it, it it's the material is looking pretty good from what we've seen so far so i again so. it would be nice to get a good representative representation uh, a female representation in a superhero sort of movie um and actually or or series i mean i've not seen it yet i've got to sit down that's my next my next series to binge this weekend is is um miss marvel because again oh, you'll love it you'll really got, love it I, oh, i'm so excited you've got a lead character who is um an asian female which you very very rarely see in superheroes see, and i, I so went into that about this. i went into that thinking i'm not going to like this this is about a teenage girl I'm not going to connect with it. You know, it's going to be that whole teen angst thing. And yeah. it was so much more than that. It really was. And that goes into, um, without spoilers or anything, it goes into her relationship with the family and it, it does so much stuff. Oh. It's not a traditional superhero thing. It's not hitting it's not people. In a normal situation. Um, would you say? Oh, I, that's interesting because, because, Yes and no. I mean, in in many respects, it's an ordinary person in an extraordinary in two extraordinary situations, and the mm. first extraordinary situation is her semi dysfunctional but rather conservative family and a conservative small c conservative family. Yeah. And the other extraordinary situation is, and now she's got these powers. 
Yeah. And so it's a normal person having to deal with both of those things at once. And, and it, uh, it, it is really good. And it just, after, it took me an episode and a bit to get into it. But as soon as you did, as soon as that, that moment clicked where you go, okay, now it's starting because everything else was preamble. Um, as soon as that happened, I was just, I, I binged the whole thing. <laughs> See, that, I watched the first episode when it was about halfway through being released, and yeah. I got to the end and I went, I'm going to need to binge this. And yeah, because I'm, I'm guessing... at that point where I'm not, I'm not hooked yet, but I know I'm going to be. Uh, yeah, I guess and you see the that... potential there, but you go, yeah, I, but I can't quite do it. Yeah, but it's, it's like, it's if definitely I try to not... do it weekly, I'm going to get angry, because I'm going to watch yeah. the whole thing. It's definitely um, not one of those shows, like, for me, Better Call Saul is one of those shows that, when I'm watching it, I adore it. But it takes me it. so much to get to the TV to put it on and actually watch yeah. the damn thing, that I've, I still, I'm still probably about two series behind from where it was because i just I've haven't never had the gumption to go and actually i've sit never and seen it. that I, I i stopped watching breaking bad halfway through just because i just got fed. again it was that it was depressing the the it, it really does shine a torch on 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 and no offense to americans here but on america um because you couldn't set that in the uk man gets cancer needs cancer treatment the nhs says okay end of story he doesn't need to go into a life of crime in order to pay his freaking medical bills here mm, and it's mm. but it, it really does shine a light on that problem in america um and there's a lady that i follow and this is just sort of connecting those two a lady i follow she's called the yorkshire peach she's on tiktok and facebook and on youtube and she does little shorts she's an american lady who's moved over to the uk and one of the things she wants to do is educate Americans on what it's actually like to live in America. Because one of the things she says repeatedly, she had no idea how bad it was over there. And, until, until you she come came to somewhere here. else and you see, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. We're not that good either. But seriously, if you think we're like, this is heaven compared to where you are, that must have been hell. Well, you know, I, you know I, I think for all of our failings, we we don't do a bad job. I, I think in all the league yeah. tables and stuff, we're kind of in the middle somewhere. Yeah, we're um, average. Yeah, we're, we're average. average. <laughs> That's, That's the best average. thing you can say about Britain. We're average. Yeah, we're average. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, what was it, Eddie Izzard? Was it Eddie Izzard? He does this trick. He said, I wanted to be, I said that when I had the careers council, I want to be a famous actor. No, 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 you're British, aim it down a bit. And then <laughs> and he goes, I want to I want to sell, I want to own a stew, shoe store. No, you're British, aim it down a bit. I yeah. I want to sell shoes. I can't remember whether it was Eddie but it was a comedian who did it, and he goes through all of this thing, and then eventually, I think it might might have been Eddie Izzard actually. No, mm. you said it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it was her, but yeah. Um, and I do apologise. I, I realise I misgendered her, so that that I need to correct. Um, but yeah, so the brain has just stopped. I had a very stressful day arguing with my bike yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we didn't talk about anything that I wanted to talk about. In, no, in but this, I think this conversation. But this has been. A, I think it, I think it's a it, they're interesting and difficult conversations to have sometimes, and you have to have them because, actually, as writers, that's our job is to deconstruct the the the, the media landscape and and to then to write something which is which forms part of it you know mm. um, and i think the key is is every everyone needs to be represented they need to be represented well um 
you know, it, it can't just be. And again, I've, I've got to say it, which it has been in the past. Straight white cis het men playing all of the cool roles and then everybody else getting forgotten about. We can't diminish, you know, roles for, again, straight white cis het men or sorry, cis het white men because they deserve just as much representation as everybody else. But it is so nice to see the landscape changing and to see that equality and all that that representation slowly starting to come out. Disney are doing it. Netflix are doing it. To give you an idea of how difficult that is, what we're talking about is to do, um, not from a a sort of an ideological standpoint, you know, you you can say this is what we're going to attempt to do and and try and do it as much as possible. But um, there was an interview with, uh, I think it was somebody from Hattrick actually, but it was somebody who was commissioning script, um, commissioning comedy scripts. And they said that one of the reasons they don't commission as many scripts from women is because 85% of the scripts that they get are from men. So there's just not that same pool to draw from. Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it's a chicken and egg situation because we've talked about this before. It's you kind of go, well, if not on air, obviously, but um, mm. one of the things you find is when, and it, and it happens across the board with with um, you know the black community, with women, with LGBTQ, where there's they've been turned out. It's not an industry that is in favour for us. So you, a lot of people just give up. They try and then they give yeah. up because it's mm. just there is so much racism, so much misogyny, and so much homophobia. Considering the vast majority of people in the community are gay or trans or non-binary, you got to go. Well, why that, is there I, so again, much homophobia? Again, again, this is this is an, a different problem that you've yeah. got. That let's say we're talking about Hollywood because that's the thing that everybody does. I mean, you could say the same talking about the BBC, which is a, has a massive commissioning section or uh or or itv or whatever um the problem isn't with the productions it's never Mm. been with the productions because actually most people in liberal arts are liberal you know funny enough um (laughs) the, the problem is always comes down to there is a level of executive power that doesn't understand enough to to understand why and this is what like you were saying earlier with Ricky Gervais mm. where he had pushback because people said oh but people won't like this and he said no but but, but they will because I'm speaking to these people and yeah. he was right um, the same is true with virtually every show that he that, that, that you will see out there that there would there will be an exec somewhere along the line who feels that it's his job to butt in because of, there's yeah. a thing called the Peter principle Keep your eyes out because we're about to be have a prime minister that's been elected by one. Um, the Peter principle is basically is that you will uh, achieve a level in your job, which is a, kind of a direct proportion to how incompetent you are and how much people want to push you up the tra- chain to get rid of you. And I thought that was the um, I thought that was the Dilbert principle. No, Dil- that's Dil- that's Dil- just that's just what Dilbert called job. it. It's, it's called the Dil- the Peter principle. Oh, okay. Um, the Dilbert just take t- took it and and ran with it, I think. But uh, uh, it, it's um, it's a long sort of understood thing in in business, but we haven't really talked about it in terms of uh, of the arts as well. And so I think you know a lot of execs 
not all of them, and there's some really good ones out there. Uh, but a lot of execs w- will be in there in positions because they have failed up to that position yes. and feel oh, that yeah. they need to. And I, I, from my experience, less so in an organisation like the BBC, much much more so in organisations in Hollywood. Yeah. Because in Hollywood, the corporate structure is corporate, yes. whereas in the BBC, it's public funded. Body. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, I mean, I, I personally think that the arts should always, should never be a capitalist industry. It should always be a community based industry there for the community because entertainment, creativity, it's essential for mental health. And whether people think that or not, it's been proven time and time again. It's true. Um, the guy this is a little fun fact that i didn't know the guy that played andy in um shawshank which is one of the most yeah incredible films and books um he now works in prisons with doing creative writing and he's proven that if you expose um prisoners particularly violent ones to creativity and an except an extra outlet for um their emotional uh expressions Mm. um and communicative outlets it reduces the chance of re-offending by something like 70 or 80 percent i can't remember the exact figure but it was pretty freaking high Mm. um Mm. i put it in one of the bit like in a in an old business plan because i I was as i was recent you know what i'm like when i research um and i just stumbled along that little factoid and i was like actually yeah it is it's essential it's a really good way to express yourself it's a really good way to sort of be able to get out a, a lot of really sort of um like particularly trauma if you've if you've experienced trauma and and one of the things that um i think forensic psychology behavior analysis and everything like that um tends to sort of center around is Everything has a reason. Every behavior that mm. you have has a reason. And if you're seeing somebody with a lot of negative behavior, that's usually stemming from some kind of trauma that has been unhealed for a long period of time. Yeah. Now, that's not an excuse for bad behavior. The choice to, to go to therapy is still there. Um, and it doesn't excuse people treating other people badly. It, it kind of explains it, doesn't excuse it. There's a very big difference. Sure, but sure. You know, I would say reasons help you grow, excuses keep you stuck. Um, a reason is I did that because I'm traumatized, therefore I need to look at the trauma and heal that to stop doing it. Excuses yeah. are I can't yeah. stop that because I'm traumatized. Yeah. Um, but th- there is a lot of evidence that it, you know, that if that it can um you know that that the, there's always you know a bad behavior usually means an unmet need somewhere um and if you've persistently throughout your whole life just been completely destroyed and you you see this with 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 young kids and there was one that i used to live near who was this lovely little kid but he was told regularly by his parents who were hor- horrible to him um the he was naughty he was horrible he was awful he was useless just for asking for food you know that was one Mm, experience that that he had and i watched when he did something right and she still the mum still bollocked him 
I had to take the mum aside. I, I got into trouble for taking the mum aside and yelling at her for it because we're well, not yelling at her, but I got quite annoyed with her because I was like, he's just done something amazing. He did it without being asked. He is a good boy. And if you shout at him every single time, regardless of whether he's doing something good or not, he's not going to bother. And he actually said to me once, um, you know, I don't see the point in, in doing something good because she's going to punish me anyway. And I, and I repeat that. But I didn't say that he said that, but I, I used that from what he said. And I was like, you know, he's just going to, you're going to take this good kid and turn him into something bad. I mean, she didn't speak to me after that, but, um, you know, I know that there were a few people who were trying to get the kid away from her and, and yeah, actually into yeah. a proper loving home. And I yeah. hope they did. Um, but it's just an example. And, and giving people a creative outlet allows people to deal with sometimes some really complex emotions that they may not have that emotional intelligence or the, the capability of being mm. able to do otherwise. I mean, that was a very long ramble for a very short point, And I do apologize. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> and with that. Stay safe. Stay creative. Yeah. It's good stay for creative. You. Yeah. Um, good for right, your mental now. health is creativity. Uh, yeah. A uh, bit of a rambling <laughs> conversation you. that I wasn't expecting to have, but fun. Um, yes. I do want to talk about audiences, though. So next week. Yes. We'll be talking about audiences and the sort of I'm going to keep mentioning Patreon because just yeah. as a subtle. Do go and, uh, over to murderingapodcast.com where you can find links to everything that we've got in our show notes. And of course, you can follow, uh, you join us on, on Patreon, uh, which will help support this. Uh, well, it won't. It'll help support our other podcasts and um, the, uh, the, the Mystery Lounge. Uh, and uh, that's the important thing at the end of the day. Um, Right, so until next time, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Take care, bye. That was Murdering a Podcast, and if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>